0: Hello and welcome to Lucy's Week in Ambridge. We began the week outside the pool, which was, according to Jazza, like a ghost town. I mean, it's not like it's Nando's after closing the rest of the time, is it? The only person in there was Brian, in his desperate search to make himself appear occupied without actually doing any work. He just hangs about until Adam gives him a tractor to drive up and down on and block the lanes. It's not attached to anything, it doesn't do anything, but it makes him happy as he likes it when people hoot. Well, it's good he's still getting out and about. For Jazza and Johnny, the prospect of exchanging heavy-handed bants with Brian was so appalling they found a hedge instead, and sat in it, drinking homebrew that Jazza ferments in the hydroponic fish tanks. It's a very niche flavour, really. Uh, It's a feisty beer with a piskeen aftertaste. Pour slowly, as sediment may include weed, poo and possibly fish. Serve tepid with chips. He said Adam didn't have a clue that Jazza was busy marinating his fish in moonshine. How could you not notice that your fish are bobbing about in something that's 7.5% proof? Over at Ambridge Hall, Linda was uppity because no one would agree to do the Christmas show. But to be fair... No one has been told what their involvement would actually entail. I don't blame them in the slightest for not signing up. They don't know whether they're going to be asked to read poetry, lap dance or dress up as Great Grandfather Pagetur. And as Freddy's at the helm, possibly all three at once. Who in their right mind is going to sign up for something without understanding it? Apart from Brexiteers, I mean. Anyway, Linda realised that if she didn't get involved and smartish, there wouldn't be a Christmas show for her to refuse to be involved in, be cajoled into taking over, apologise for upsetting the whole cast and at the last minute pull something utterly appalling out of the bag. So she went on to Radio Gobshite Milking her injuries to such an extent she made herself sound like like the English patient and Margaret Thatcher in her latter years, but it worked, in that Jenny Darling fell for it and signed up. Jenny Darling had a very busy week, having decided that what every 18-year-old wants for their birthday is a dinner party. Ben, still smarting from his ousting as first in line of Rory's little knickerbocker glories by Greek porn star Troy, decided that they would organise a spectacular party for him that would show them how we do things here. Oh, please. How we do things here, Ben, is spend two weeks making elaborate arrangements that inevitably go wrong in a last of the summer wine type way and then have a spectacular family row, the ramifications of which continue down the generations. It was as Rory and Ben were rummaging around in a barn trying to find the plates that Jenny Darling was insistent on for the party because that's what an 18-year-old boy really cares about, plates, that Rory revealed that he is a bisexualist. Hoorah! Not only does it double his chances of a date, it means that Brian will be horrified, Rory can roger his way around the village, screwing havoc in his wake, or you know what? He might just get on with his life and what he does with his genitalia won't be the defining characteristic of it. That'd be a turn up. So we've lost Carol Toboggan's daughter, who was confirmed in her lesbioticness, but gained a bisexual. Hey ho. Rory did say that as far as announcing to the famalan was concerned, Adam had done the heavy lifting on that front. Crikey, is that what they're calling it now? I'm so behind. As is Adam. Krusty told Helen about her frankly insane plans to move away to a Welsh hovel full of sheep with no electricity but hot and cold running arsehole. Philip has tried hard to make things work here, said Krusty. You'd think that in between employing slave labour and blowing up a local amenity, the village would have taken it to their hearts. It doesn't matter what I think, said Helen, who doesn't believe that for a second. Kosty said Helen should buy her house. With what? Making pitiful amounts of cheese and putting it in a box isn't going to make up much of a deposit, but I suppose she will cobble together some spurious document take a photo of a cow looking happy, tell Pat and Tony it's a business plan and they'll give her £75,000. Alish and Jenny Darling went to a nail bar where, I sincerely hope, Alish apologised profusely to Jenny Darling for being such a bitch to her last week and talked about Siobhan. Alish is firmly of the school of if you haven't got anything nice to say, come and sit by me. It makes her feel slightly less threatened by everyone else if she can persuade other people to be vile. So she was desperate that Jenny Darling revealed her seething fury about Siobhan. Little did she know that women like Jenny Darling squish it down and down and down like a marshmallow until it is a little burning disc of rage that will only reveal itself when someone does something inconsequential like jump the queue at the Underwood's cheese counter whereupon she'll roar and smash them over the head with a wheel of brie. Johnny nicked Jazza's jade. It's a Johnny Jazza Jade love the triangle. I wish that just for once we could actually meet one of these women that are apparent to get their ha- that are apparently desperate to get their hands on Jazza's gold top. I mean, because we never meet them, it makes me think they don't exist and Jazza's made them up, which I don't want to think because I do think Jazza would be nice to go out with, and it also doesn't fit because apparently he looks like Chris Hemsworth dressed as Adam Ant in that insane Mankey Milkman thing. But maybe he is a true Byronic figure in his combination of permanent sexed-up randiness and poetic. Lovelorn desolation, bless. And finally, in a lovely bit of writing that finished many of us off, Rory played the CD from Chevonne. At first, he thought it was a sex tape of Brian's, but that turned out to be one of Kate's whale song albums left in the machine. It was moving. It was heartwarming. Chevonne said exactly the right things to Rory, but the bit that I loved more than any of it was the fact that he asked Jenny Darling to listen to the voice of the woman who had very nearly destroyed her family. And she said, I am here. I am absolutely here. She may be a tactless, crashing snob, but underneath that Jaeger lambswool, there beats the heart of a good woman. The end. Planning for your next trip?